Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today, we have Atticus LeBlanc with us from PadSplit. Um, he is the CEO of PadSplit, which is a co-living application. I am super excited to have him here. We don't often talk about unique strategies. Um, and so co-living is something that is really a good entry point for a lot of beginning investors. Um, so I'm super excited to have you here, Atticus. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. No, uh, pleasure to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on here, we like to start with stories. We like to hear kind of how people got to where they are today. I know you've been in real estate for a long time, so I'm sure you got a good story. Why don't you take us back to the beginning and uh, and tell us how you got to where you are today? Yeah, pro- probably two beginnings. Uh, first one is uh, is just that in 2003, I was 23 years old and uh, realized that I could I could buy a house for less than what I could rent one for, and at the time uh, you may have heard that mortgage underwriting was pretty lax. I was <laughs> definitely a beneficiary there. So they say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so got a, a an eighty twenty, i.e. hundred uh, percent loan for uh, for a house that I bought out of foreclosure, moved into, fixed up, and and ultimately every business I've started, uh, I can kind of point back to to that original one. And, it, and sorry, the second um, real to cut you in here. So eighty twenty. Yeah. What what is you mean? A hundred percent of it was financed. Yes, hundred percent financing. So, yes, wow. by the bank. It was eighty percent primary mortgage, and then a twenty percent HELOC. Uh, oh, and wow. I was making thirty grand a year, and could could close on a house for a whopping total of like. 2,500 bucks out of pocket. Man, so, no wonder shit hit the fan. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, right on. But uh, it worked It worked out well for me. And and I'm sure there are a lot of other people that it, that it actually worked out really well for them. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second beginning, so I left my, my full-time job in 2005, went into commercial real estate brokerage on the land side, which really meant that I was at the, the tip of the spear uh, or the front line when when everything hit the skids. And so my pipeline of deals dried up in mid to call it September 2007, where it was like, oh gosh, I can't, there's, there's literally no end in sight for what I can do. I've made a total of $10,000 for the year, was supposed to have banner closings. And then right after my first son was born, boom, boom, boom the three major deals that I thought were going to make me a million bucks, like just vanished. I hate it when deals crash at the very (laughs) end, man. That is the worst. So, uh, so of course I went, I went back to look at housing and saw that, uh, I had a, because of that, that original home purchase, I had my HELOC that was open. I had $50,000 in a line of credit and then about 10 to 13 grand or so in the bank. Uh, and looked at, all right, well, what can I buy in Atlanta for less than $50,000? And this was November 2007. And there should have been fewer than 50 burned out shacks in in just terrible parts of town. And instead, there were 1,200 houses and they were 
livable and in a lot of places. Wow. And no one could tell me what was going on. But I could do math well enough to recognize that <laughs> something's uh, going prices, on. Here. Yeah, prices hadn't been this low in forty plus years, uh, and where rents were, I could essentially buy a house all in for around thirty five thousand dollars with renovations, and rent it for nine hundred and fifty bucks. So, wow, that is that's on. Uh, they say the two the one percent rule. That's almost a two percent rule. That's insane. <laughs> Yeah, so we, uh, so I, I invested what little savings and what credit I could find, and then just absolutely borrowed to the hilt uh, with thirteen percent interest money and three points rolled into the loan and uh, hundred, you know, hundred percent financing, personal guarantees, the whole bit, and just took a took a hard gulp and uh, and started buying and really was all uh, mostly in the affordable space. They were housing choice Section Eight rentals early on. Uh, I, I encountered this, uh, this rooming house concept, which I'd never even heard of, uh, while I was out there in the market. And then in 2009, two guys who were renting rooms came and asked, uh, if they could come rent rooms in my house because their house was being foreclosed. And that was my first aha moment to wait a second. Like this is going to be much more affordable for you. You're never going to, you don't have enough income to qualify for anything else, even 2009 in the depths of the crisis. And I would not only get someone in very quickly where I'm not afraid of my air conditioner or my appliances walking away, because that was happening a lot at that time, uh, but I'm actually going to earn more cash flow significantly than I would have under a traditional rental model. And so that was that was the first aha moment and I've been uh, iterating on that since and it's just it's proven over and over again to be a vastly superior cash flow uh and uh a real opportunity to to make a positive impact in people's lives as well, which is uh which has definitely been been gratifying and that evolved into uh, a a large scalable co-living platform that's a really technology company today. Nice, man. I love it. And uh, I've found, um, I've had a few people on the podcast from overseas and I found that this concept, this co-living concept is much, um, much more prevalent, much more, more commonplace, um, especially in like mm-hmm. London and um, over in Europe. Uh, where it's not as as prevalent here, but it's definitely catching on, especially in those markets that are so expensive, like Seattle, sure. like San Francisco, places like that. Um, and as an investor, I, I mean, you you mentioned before you the, it, your cash flow is actually higher, and you also your risk is uh, is lower because you don't have one person renting that that house. Um, similar to multifamily, where you have multiple units, um, you're yep. not putting all of the burden on that one person. You're you're splitting it across so many people. Um, so that's, it sounds like a great concept, a great idea. Um, the problem that I see, you know, I've I've thought of this, doing this myself with my own rentals at, at one point. Um, the problem that I've kind of pops into my head is just the wear and tear on the houses, um, and the, and just the headache of actually having to manage these. I know pad split kind of helps out with that, but, um, have you, I'm sure you've been in the multifamily space at one point. What are, what is the difference, um, in managing, uh, a co-living unit versus, um, something like multifamily or, or mobile home parks, RV parks, something like that. Yeah. So, so I think quick, quick background, you name it, I've managed it just about, <laughs> uh, 
we had um, about, you know, we've owned and managed over 700 units at this point, multifamily, commercial, uh, single family, section eight, private market, co-living, uh, et cetera. And uh, I think, I think you hit the, the, the pain points on the head, even looking at that model that I started in 2009 with zero technology, it was still significantly more cash flow, but it was absolutely more work. And as I came to revisit the problem after having exited some of our apartment deals, what I was thinking about was how do you, how do you operationalize and take away that pain for a traditional landlord such that this looks really close to a traditional SFR or multifamily investment, uh, but still has 2x net returns. And there were three categories that we needed to address. The first thing was in 2009, I was literally going every week to pick up rent as a, um, I didn't accept cash. I was not so brave as that. Uh, so we were collecting money orders from mm. the houses on a weekly basis. Uh, and then you would put one of those little on a weekly boxes basis. Okay. on a weekly basis. Uh, so you, you charge per week or is it per week? You just, yes. wow. Okay. Interesting. Per week. I, and happy to get into why that is later. Uh, but it's, it's, it's important. Um, the, uh, and then you, you would have to put the little plastic box over the, the thermostat and you would have to mm-hmm. manually go out there. It, it was it was a tremendous amount of work. And then you were taking all the individual phone calls uh, whenever there was the, a dispute between folks. Uh, and you just had to you had to check on the place regularly. So uh, the, the three categories of services that I wanted to provide when I, I started thinking about the idea for pad split was one. Uh, automatic demand gen and screening. And so that getting that move in process super, super fast, because whether you're talking about co-living, single family, multifamily, commercial, you have a couple different uh, cost categories that are super impactful to your bottom line. The the two that are most often forgotten are your turn costs and your vacancy costs, which Mm, are major, major detractors. If you look at your P&L over several years, uh, it is a huge impact. And single family rental investors particularly underestimate consistently how much those turn costs impact their their rate of return over time. They're like, yeah, oh man, absolutely. I've got this great rent. Like this house, this house behind me, right? Right here. This was a housing choice rental. And I absolutely fell into that trap. Had a had a, a large family renting the house. And uh, it was it was great until it wasn't and was getting what I felt like was a, a fantastic rent for the market. And then they moved out and I had a forty six thousand dollar insurance claim. Mm. Uh, Oof, that sucks. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and it, like that was a bit of an anomaly. But but you you have a lot of those where you'll well, see. 5, yeah, I mean, 000, when you 10, have multiple 000. units that can happen, it becomes more of a commonplace occurrence, even though with one unit, it's sure. an anomaly. When you're looking at multiple units, it's it's not. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. definitely so, a problem. And, and so so in co-living and specifically for pad split, like filling up those rooms was was the first thing. 
and so we have a process that screens qualifies folks and gets them moved in within 48 hours. Our average time to first booking in our biggest market here in the Atlantic area is 2.4 days. So imagine wow. Wow. listing really your property. Wow. Yeah. And, and you get your first booking within 2.4 days. For most of my houses in Atlanta, I'm getting that booking within 24 hours. Mm. Uh, Las Vegas, which we just opened, is average 1.4 days. Jesus. So super, <laughs> super fast. Uh, the second thing is uh, payments processing. I knew that no one could go to the properties or was, would be willing to go to the properties and collect those rents. That model doesn't scale. Uh, electronics payment processing technology has changed dramatically since then. The other aspect is if you can bill all-inclusive on a weekly or per payday customized basis, your rate of collections will skyrocket. We have a low income, low Wait, credit Wait, sorry, population. say that again. So the, the, with this model, the more... The more frequently you bill someone, the more yes. likely you are to to Collect. see higher collections. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So so uh, for for our population, our average income is typically less than thirty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, oh, and and by the way, like we don't have traditional rental deposits either, like traditional large security deposits. Okay. We verify income. We verify criminal background. We verify that you are who you say you are. Uh, and then we we check to make sure that people don't have more than two evictions. But even with that very basic screening strategy, our collections rate has never dropped below 96.5% ever, including COVID, like soup to nuts, been five years. Uh, now, including move-in fees and 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 turn cost charges, it's it's above 99%. Wow. I mean, so you're on par with like class triple A yeah. payments rates. I was going to say that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't happen with anything I own. Right. <laughs> 99%. It, that's, that's great. But, but, but the reason why is again, weekly all-inclusive payments. I can't tell you over the course of my career as a property manager, how many times I've seen people end up under eviction because they decided to pay their phone bill or their cable bill or whatever it was that happened to be due on the 13th. Mm. If you have a rental, you're you're coming into real estate. When is rent going to be due? It's going to be due on the first of the month. All right. Well, Gabe, what day of the week is December 1st? Who knows? (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) Bingo. and like, uh, if if you're working full time, do you know which day you get paid? Like, we're having this podcast on a Friday. I'm pretty sure today is Friday. So if my rent and all of my utilities are due on the same day, guess what? I don't have to budget. Easier to like, plan. Yep. Yeah, it's so much easier. And if I get happen to get paid that same day, where I know, all right, $170 is going to cover my entire living cost for that week, and I just have to remember to pay it today. It shouldn't be a shock to anyone that bill gets paid much more regularly because they don't have to make a choice. Oh, do I do I pay my water bill or do I pay my rent or do I pay my water bill now and hope that so and so is going to pay me back and that this other check that I'm waiting on is going to come in and and you just you remove all of that crap. And what it means though is that like in this house behind me, which has six people, six people billing every week, that's 25 payments per week. Well, guess what? Landlords don't have the ability or the will to track 25 payments a week. And if somebody misses one, they certainly don't want to be able to, tra- to track that person down. So we do that as, as a platform. Okay. Yep. And we get all of those there. payments uh, it, it, 
collected for you. Uh, we follow up with any sort of, oh, you lost your job and you're you're waiting on on a new one. Uh, and then the last one is if there are resident disputes, uh, we have both technology tools in product that to help facilitate some of that. If Johnny stole your peanut butter or Susie's playing music too loud. Uh, and, uh, and we also have 24 seven customer service to take care of that. So those are the, really the gotcha. three things it's like, yeah. so it's filling not, it's rooms not quickly so much... keeping them filled and then collections and customer service. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's more than just, uh, I mean, we were talking about, we're kind of splitting our conversation here, but just specifically talking about pad split. Um, it's more than just an application. It sounds like there's also property management oh, yeah. that's yeah included in there. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one question that did pop into my mind when you're talking about, you know, getting weekly payments from your from your tenants. Um, does the does your lease mirror that? So, do you have a weekly lease that that reups every week, and you're able to to start an eviction if they miss? I don't know. I, I well, yeah, it'll so, completely depend upon sure. the uh, the state that you're in, the local laws, all that stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. So, so most jurisdictions now, or a lot of them, have these Airbnb or short term rental laws. Uh, so minimum stay is 31 days right mm -hmm. now. Uh, we do offer different levels of, of commitment, whether it's four months, eight months, 12 months. Uh, and, and pretty soon we'll have, we'll give owners the ability to set their own commitment lengths mm -hmm. on average though, our, our stay, even when we were just one week minimum commitment, uh, was, uh, and has remained around nine months. So people okay. will stay for a long time. Uh, the first resident that I ever tried this model on in 2009, she's still there. Like the, oh, the third wow. person to move into that house, she's still there since 2009. Uh, this house behind me, the first pad split, like this guy is still there in that room. And so you have about 20% of your population that just never leaves. Yeah. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the other question that popped up for me here is we're specifically talking about land or um, home owners. So someone who owns a home and then rents individual units. I've also heard this done um, as kind of a, a master lease and subleases. Does yep. this this model, have you seen it work with that kind of concept where somebody rents out a house and then subleases it each individual room to, you know, other have, other individuals? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a couple people on our platform now who are in that that arbitrage master lease business where they recognize that they can go rent either a larger single family home or a larger apartment uh, and, and then uh, subdivide it, furnish it and uh, and actually put it on our platform and and create cash flow that way without actually owning it. Uh, it does happen. The 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 caveat I would give is make sure that your owner understands what you're doing so oh, that yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh I, I, a... one of my yeah one of my life rules is no surprises uh yeah. or or certainly try to avoid surprises if you can and uh it, it's always better to be upfront. yeah yeah well and the only reason i mentioned that is um you know co-living renting out individual rooms is a really good method for especially for people who don't have or who are in a really expensive market or they just don't have a lot of capital to buy multiple units um to buy multifamily or anything like that and so i was just thinking from the perspective of someone who really wants to get into real estate they don't have a lot of money um one option is to go out there get a lease you know obviously talk with the landlord make sure that they're okay with subleases but then rent out um the whole house and then do this co-living sure. situation with uh with the individual rooms yeah oh yeah i mean we've we've had other folks who uh, who have moved into houses or apartments on their own uh for themselves 
and then rented out rooms in their in their residences as well. Oh, okay. So that's uh, that's that's another possibility. We had one guy uh, actually who who works for us who was a member. Uh, then he he was able to buy a house. He bought the house, lived downstairs in one room, and rented out another three. Then he moved out and rented three more. So it it became it went from kind of four residents to six. And then he did it again on a condo. So uh, yeah, you can absolutely go from uh, go from from zero to creating pretty significant passive income quickly. Cool, man. I love it. All right, I did take a peek at the clock. We have gone through our time. Um, thank you very much for sharing everything that you've shared so far. I feel yeah, like this is a really absolutely. interesting niche. Um, so it's time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for real estate specific. Uh, so real estate specific, really, I guess it's, I guess general life wisdom. I'll go with atomic habits by James oh, yeah. clear. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, that's one of my go-tos, uh, real estate specific. It's interesting. Cause I haven't, uh, I don't necessarily have any any books. It's maybe School of Hard Knocks. If okay. you want to learn about real estate, know the market, uh, walk the neighborhood, get to the get to the heart of the problem. That's where I've always learned the most. And I always have a lot of respect for people who go out there and door knock. I I tried it for like two seconds when I first started, and I was like, this is not for me. I got to do something else. <laughs> it's not necessarily door knock. You, you you can do it driving and walking without actually door knocking. Just uh, yeah, shaking hands and hugging babies. There you go. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. Um, this is for your younger self. So if you could go back to the Atticus who was just buying that first rental back in, what'd you say? I think it was 2008 or something like that. Go back yep. to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Whew. Uh, start raising more capital and don't be afraid to uh, to push even harder on on purchases. No, no question about that one. Definitely, man. I would second that one. That's great advice. Next question is your Superman strength. We are all gifted with unique strength that we uniquely give to this world. Um, what is your Superman strength? Creative problem solving. Perfect. Good for uh, good for real estate. That's for sure. Uh, moving on to the next one. This is mentors. Mentors are key to everybody's journey. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed to your career today? Uh, absolutely. My... I will say both my parents. I, I won't name one, uh, but uh, but yeah, certainly just uh, instilling confidence and sticking to your values, understanding to be yourself. Perfect, man. I love that. Thank you for Atticus, Atticus's parents for helping him get to where he is. And that leads us to the second to last question. This is the United States. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there to invest. What is one metro you're most excited about investing in today? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Ooh, you and everybody else. People love Jacksonville. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the last, uh, probably the last four or five people who I've asked that question on this podcast are always like, they say Jacksonville or, uh, um, what's the other, there's a couple big, uh, big metros in Florida. Um, uh, Tampa has been another big one. Tampa has been a big uh, one. And the one that actually just got hit by that, um, by the, oh, uh, for, uh, Fort, Fort Myers. Myers. Yeah. 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 Jack, Florida, man, it's blowing up. Gotta love it. Um, and sure. that leads us to the very last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure people want to reach out. What is the best way for them to do that? Uh, 
padsplit.com will be the the best way to get a hold of us. And I my email is pretty simple, atticus at padsplit.com. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Atticus, learn a little bit more about Padsplit, maybe getting involved in co-living yourself, go to padsplit.com. Again, in the show notes, just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description. And in there, you can find the URL. So Atticus, that wraps it up. I appreciate you hopping on the show. Definitely. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. And I hope we can add value. Absolutely. And for everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the Real Estate Investing Club.com. Other than that, hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.